630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Sod, Strom, Kubelik, and Kubelik scoring the goals. Two for Kubelik in the third period, both on the power play. From what I've been following on Twitter, sounds like it was uh, not a very engaged St. Louis Blues team. So the Hawks get the win, and their next game against the Oilers on Saturday. Of course, we have it for you here on 6.30. Chet, 11 o'clock for the face-off show, and the puck will drop at 1 o'clock. Islanders and Rangers, which I have on the TV here in the basement, about two minutes into the second period. No score in that one from Toronto. 8.30 tonight at Rogers Place. It is the Canucks taking on the Jets. Avalanche beat the Wild 3-2. We'll have Connor McGahee from the Avalanche broadcast booth on a little bit later on in the show. Uh, man, they got Nathan McKinnon, Kale McCarr, who's off to a great start in his career. And the Lightning took down the Panthers 5-0. Oh, yeah, and one more game, too. The Capitals over the Hurricanes by a score of 3-2. Alexander Ovechkin scored twice in that one for the Caps. Baseball tonight, keeping an eye on that Blue Jays game. They are the home team in Washington. Top of the 10th, it is still scoreless, but the bases are loaded for the Nationals with nobody out. So very good odds. They are going to score. We'll keep you updated. And the Canadian Elite Basketball League, it is Edmonton 87, Hamilton 82, and they are into that uh, scoring system where... They uh, pause the clock, the first stoppage, after four minutes, and they set a new target score. So here's what happened in this one. I'm just double-checking the time here. Uh, I believe the target score is 89, so Edmonton should almost be there. I got to check the display here. Oh, when did they stop the clock last? 324... You know what, Kellen? This happened the other night where I thought the game was still going on and it was actually over. Mm. <laughs> so I, I'm just I'm, because it does not say that it's final. Uh, but 88, 82, they might have already hit the target score, but I I can't tell. But I guess this is the one thing I have to learn about this is uh, is how to tell what the target score is because I don't see it displayed on the website and it's hard to see. Uh, what it was when they stopped the clock. Anyway, Edmonton's ahead, and if they, this is like the lamest update ever. If they haven't already won, they should win pretty soon. How's <laughs> that? They're, they're, they, they, they look like they're going to win. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, but yeah, it is interesting how they're how they're uh, how they're doing that. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three is how you can call or text. You can. Uh, of course, uh, get everything from last night on 630Ched.com. Overall, pretty good game for the Oilers. Uh, I know we've had some concerns about Cal Calgary was able to dominate portions of that game, but uh, I think for the most part, pretty good night for the Oilers. And good goaltending was big. I don't know if it's going to be Koskinen or Smith coming up on Saturday. Koskinen started last night, did not allow a goal, and then Mike Smith was beaten once on a Calgary power play, made some pretty good saves, and uh, Edmonton got the victory. Connor McDavid looked great two goals for him I thought good first period for Dreisaitl and Yamamoto and Ennis maybe not quite as dynamic after that but uh, I'm sure once we get going into the playoffs they will be just fine and, and again I, I think that Kara Chason and Neil line has 
the opportunity to be kind of a little bit of everything, maybe get in there and, and grind a little bit and hopefully pot the odd goal. Brian Wilde is going to join us when we get back from the break to talk about the Montreal Canadiens. All right, the Edmonton Stingers did win, so they're 2-1 and one at the CEBL tournament in St. Catharines, 88-82 over the Hamilton Honey Badgers. Jordan Baker, 17 points, 9 rebounds for the Stingers. All right, let's go to Montreal. Global Montreal's Brian Wilde is on the line. Hey, man, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I am extremely well. I'm thrilled to be with you. Well, it's very nice to talk to you. It's uh, it's good to catch up with you. Always nice to talk to a gentleman I used to watch on, uh, what is it, CFRN you worked for? That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. I always get a chuckle <laughs> out of that. Life is long, Reed. Life is long. <laughs> how, how, how long have you been in Montreal now? Since 1995. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. And my first 11 years were at CFRN where, I mean, I was a really young guy in a big position. So it was, you know, challenging. And Eugene Principe is actually the guy that replaced me. And he's, you know, Mr. Euler still doing the same job I did. So just to tell you that um, it was a pretty good gig I left. <laughs> well, you're going to love this about Gene. I don't know if you've maybe seen this on social media. It's probably getting a lot more play in Edmonton than anything else. Gene has performed in a rap song that a local artist called The Original Chew put out for the oh Oilers playoff drive. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. It, what does he do? He, uh, I'll, send, I'll have to send you a link when we're done. He, uh, Are you going to say he tries to He sing, sort or? of raps, and he. Uh-huh. Uh, you may be, uh, you probably won't be surprised to hear there are a lot of puns in his appearance. Ah, uh, yes, yes, he is. Yes, he is a master. <laughs> <laughs> he is the master. That's awesome. Well, good to have you on the show, and obviously we, we had actual live hockey to watch yesterday, and of course the yep. Leafs and the Canadians. I had it on the tube. Well, while, while I was on air and, and, and before that preparing for, for the show. So I saw bits and pieces. I, you know, I thought the Leafs full marks for the win, but you would have been watching it closer. Tell us about that game. Yeah, I mean, the Leafs are obviously the more talented team pretty much throughout the lineup. So, I mean, it wasn't a big surprise. But five on five, the Canadians competed pretty well, about as well as you could expect them to compete considering they were the 24th team in the league uh, over the course of the regular season. But... You know, when you go minus two for five on your power play, uh, it's going to be it's going to be the embarrassing thing to pick out. I mean, just just being successfully zero for five instead of allowing two short-handed goals would have been a good night. <laughs> so, right. you know, when you go minus two for five, which is my my new way to describe how bad that was uh, by allowing two shorties. Uh, that's where the game was won and lost. I, I think, though, that they can feel pretty happy with themselves five on five, considering Toronto is, you know, obviously a much more talented team. Going into the series against the Penguins, where, like here in Edmonton, it's the five against the 12. So, look, you have to favor the five seed. The Canadians do have Carey Price, though. Tell us a little bit about what you've seen from him and, and his mindset, because I know he sort of was uh, candid about some of his feelings about this tournament in general, too. Yeah, he was candid because, I mean, his family uh, suffered and uh, the area that he lives in, Anaheim Lake, uh, where he used to live anyway, suffered greatly too. So he went in with some trepidation for sure. But when Carey Price knows it's time to compete, he does. You know, I mean, he's a competitor through and through. I mean, 
Uh, you guys have seen him play for Team Canada, and he plays his best hockey when a lot is on the line. Uh, and he's an intense competitor, too. A really good example is last night, Claude Julien, the head coach, is kind of sleeping through the entire thing, to be honest, looking at, you know, not at it from a competitive point of view of winning or losing, but looking at it from the point of view of which guys are playing well and who he wants to match up uh, lines-wise and things. So he's completely unaware when uh, Carey Price with a minute 50 left is tapping his stick like crazy to get out of the net for a sixth attacker in an exhibition game that they're losing 4-2. You know, that's Carey Price's attitude. And then when he gets to the bench, he's really angry that everybody's having a nap. So, I mean, he, even though you're absolutely right, he had trepidation in the beginning because, um, you know, I think a lot of people were pretty afraid that um, the leagues weren't going to do a really good job of preparing the players to have a safe environment. And that's been one of the amazing stories, really, for the NHL, is that they've been the league that has shown the most intelligence on that front. So I think Kerry is getting more and more comfortable and that competitive fire is coming out. And I expect he'll have a good playoff, but I mean, he has to really, really stand on his head for an upset here. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking too. And and look, of course the Canadians have some dangerous players. So if beyond the goaltending for, for the Canadians, who has to step up or, or who has to elevate their game to, to give them a shot against the Pens? Well, for me, the entire series is won or lost for the Canadians down the middle. You know, I'm a proponent of, you know, if you win the one of the sayings I've said for a long, long time is win the middle, win the game. And when you're playing the Pittsburgh Penguins, that's a tough task. And Malkin and Crosby win a lot of games down the middle and have won cups winning down the middle. And the Canadians with a guy that, you know, it's just turned 20 only last month, Jasperi Kutkanyemi, and Nick Suzuki, 20. You know, that's a really hard task. And if both of those guys can compete down the middle well, and Philip Deneau, who I think finished fifth in uh, balloting for the uh, uh, Defensive Forward Award, if he can continue to play well and maybe neutralize one of them, uh, then it's up to Suzuki or Kutkanyemi to try to neutralize the other one. And I think if you see at the end of the five games, because, I mean, if they order, uh, pardon me, if the Habs do win, it'll be in five. I mean, <laughs> anybody thinking they're going to, you know, pull an upset in three or four, is, that sounds crazy. But if if they were to pull Reed an upset in five, I think you would look at it and go, oh, Crosby, three points, Malkin, three points. You know what I mean? Right. Be- that's where, the, that's to me, that's where it's won. If, if they can some somehow neutralize those two centers, who can dominate pretty much anybody in the league, and one expects them to really dominate young kids like Suzuki and Kakinyemi. I think it's all right there. Brian Wild, yeah, Brian Wild joining us tonight at Inside Sports, talking a little bit about the Montreal Canadiens. So the uh, one of the eight teams that does not win the qualifying round will yeah. pick first overall, and I guess extra drama in like are are, are fans happy with a. Oh. Penguins sweep and let's go to the lottery. <laughs> <laughs> I got to tell you, this is, it's almost kind of embarrassing really, because I mean, the whole point of watching your team play is, you know, <laughs> so hopefully win, but there was a, a, a Twitter poll and then I did one too, but there were two and they were both Montreal polls, you know, local, uh, local guys. And uh, it was like 90% wanted the Habs to lose 
So they got to have a, a chance. I mean, only 10% of diehard Habs fans put in the block, yes, I want them to win, versus no, I want a chance at Lafreniere. And even if you explain it, well, you know, it's only like a 12.5% chance, they still were pulling for that loss. Because even if they didn't get Lafreniere, they wanted the nine spot in the draft instead of the 16. So, you know, discouragingly so from a fan point of view and a reporter covering hockey, um, there's very few people in this city that are pulling for the home team. Uh, that's <laughs> that's crazy, amazing, right? Yeah, that's, that, that is crazy. I'm not exaggerating this. The, I, like we, I looked at the poll and I went, this is going to be a bit bad, isn't it? So I was thinking maybe 55-45, 60-40. It was 90-10. I mean, like one out of 10 people is heading into this. But but here's the thing. Let, let's say they win a game. You know what I mean? Like when you do a poll, you know, after draft night, that the number one spot is available, you know, everybody's only thinking about the draft. So I'm actually going to do the poll again, Reid, after game one, if the Canadians win. Just to see if, you know, the fire of the fans, competitive nature, you know, I hate Sidney Crosby. I love Brendan Gallagher. You know, that kind of thing. Maybe that starts to take over after some games have been played. Yeah, that. Yeah, if the Canadians win game one, you have to do yeah. that for sure. That That is, uh, that is awesome. <laughs> Uh, a 90-10 in a poll, you will rarely get that anything. And even the most obvious question, it's never you know 90%. <laughs> oh, my God. You're so right about that, right? You're so right about that. I like water. 75-25. Yeah. You know? <laughs> no, but water is, you know, you need water. Still, I'm not a fan of water. <laughs> Just as an example. Uh, you're absolutely right. 90-10 in a poll is nearly impossible. No matter what. So, yeah, yeah that was crazy. I, I want to ask you one more just about uh, the series as a whole. Because when I ask people who cover the Oilers or Edmontonians, what series are you most looking forward to outside of the Oilers? The most common answer is Chicago or pardon me, is uh, Calgary-Winnipeg. And I think you get that, Calgary's arrival. That's an old Smythe Division-type series. How yeah. all the two Western, on, on paper, it's it's really close. Uh, out, outside of the series you're going to be covering, Montreal-Pittsburgh, what qualifying round series are you most looking forward to? I'll pick two out. Uh, one, um, I grew up in Edmonton. And so, you know, how things are where you grow up in your town. And then especially when you stop reporting on them, and then start being a Montreal Canadian reporter. I mean, I don't really feel any pressure to not be unbiased at all. So I'm not lying to you. Go Oilers. Right. I really want the Oilers to do well. My family is in Edmonton and they're long suffering, you know, like the rest of you. So um, I just think it'd be amazing if the Oilers had a long playoff run and you guys were all pretending to not celebrate because of COVID when the cup is being hoisted by Connor McDavid. That's my dream as a long-standing season ticket holder of the of the Oilers, who was lucky enough to be in the seats when they were winning cups. And then the second one would be uh, the Maple Leaf series. Because you look at who they're facing, right? They were very impressive last year, and they're playing above their heads again this year. Uh, and they pulled off the giant upset, and I think there's a lot of pressure on the Maple Leafs to do something. 
Um, so that's that's the other one. And in that case, it'd be kind of fun to see them fall on their face. <laughs> well, hey, if, 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 you're, if you're Tortorella, you're like, hey, guys, we took down Tampa Bay last year. Well, let's Absolutely. Just, I mean... <laughs> Absolutely. And um, they're not supposed to be very good. They lost key players. But he keeps prepping them well, and they keep playing over their heads. Um, and they got a guy at center, a young gun, that uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, who we really like here. Um, who I think would have been a really great center for the Montreal Canadiens in their hunt for one. Um, so there's a little bit of hope there too. Not Lafreniere hope, but hope. <laughs> Brian, it's always a pleasure to have you on Inside Sports. Fun to talk to you. And 100% of the people who conducted this interview are happy that you came on the show. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good finish. Cheers. Right on. Brian Wild, always fun to talk to him. Used to work here in Edmonton. Now, man, it's hard to believe 25 years in Montreal covering the Canadians, who are probably the biggest underdog in any series going into the qualifying round. And you heard him say it. Uh, a lot of fans there are saying, let's just lose to the Penguins and have that one and eight chance to get the number one pick. And you get Alexis Lafreniere and you hopefully go from there. 7804960063. Luke says it was good to see Connor McDavid and his speed, but more importantly, solid goaltending from both goaltenders going into the playoffs. Yeah, I think I'm with you there, Luke. And George says McDavid and Dreisaitl will outscore the entire Blackhawks team, Oilers in three, and the Oilers and Penguins will play in the finals. I think they have an advantage playing such weak teams to start. Well, yeah, I mean, only uh, only two teams are going to get to play the uh, two lowest seeds in each conference, and that is Edmonton and Pittsburgh taking on the number 12s. That's an interesting way to look at it by George. 780-496-0063 is the number to call or text. Okay, uh, of course, not quite every game is televised yet. John Shannon called that stupid last night on the Faceoff show that the Penguins' flyers weren't on TV yesterday afternoon. We'll tell you a little bit about the Avalanche and the Wild from this afternoon. Colorado won that game, and of course, the Avalanche with two of the most outstanding players in the league, McKinnon and McCarr. Their play-by-play voice, Connor McGahee. Okay, well, the Blue Jays gave up four in the top of the 10th. Uh, tough inning for Shun Yamaguchi. Gave up two hits, three earned runs, walked a couple, and uh, all four runs charged to him. The Blue Jays batting in the bottom of the 10th now. There's a replay review going on. Uh, play at first base, Blue Jay runner going to first to throw way off the bag. So they're checking to see if the Nationals first baseman kept his extended right leg, right foot on the bag. Uh, but obviously the Blue Jays in dire straits here. Kellen, I, I flipped over when you when mm-hmm. you told me Montoya was out arguing and you saw you saw a Blue Jay player get ejected. Yeah, Rowdy Tellez is gone for the rest of the game. Did you see what happened? Uh, I didn't see what happened, but uh, from what I'm seeing online and that stuff is that he got ejected for... Um, abuse of official so we'll see what happens 
I find it interesting in Major League Baseball that when the umps, and I've, I've seen some images of this from other games, when they uh, argue with a manager, they put their masks up over their over their faces, trying to stay as safe as possible. Different world in baseball. We'll see what happens with the Miami, Miami Marlins, who are getting the week off because of all the COVID issues. But yeah, scoreless through nine innings for the Blue Jays and Nationals. The Blue Jays are the home team in Washington today, and now the Nationals lead it for nothing. In the National Hockey League, at Rogers Place, Blackhawks over the Blues, 4-0. The Islanders lead the Rangers 1-0 late in the second period. Lightning beat the Panthers 5-zip. Washington getting by the Hurricanes 3-2. And the Avalanche beat the Minnesota Wild 3-2. And the guy who called this game for Altitude Sports, Connor McGahee, joins us now. Connor, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? Reed, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm well, thank you. I haven't talked to you and I believe... 17 and a half years so uh it, it's nice to nice to hear you again and nice to to talk about the game that we all love together here yeah it does feel like a, a while since we uh, got to catch up and have a good chat in the media room at rogers place whatever the avalanche <laughs> roll into town well first of all let's start with with your setup of course everybody saw what uh jack and bob had at 6 30 ched you're actually going to the to the rink in denver to do these games that's pretty how come uh well we have so w- with altitude sports uh that the, we have the the television side of altitude sports and we have the radio side of altitude sports so the television side has their whole setup from the altitude studios uh south of denver um and so they were using all the assets that they had there um the altitude uh, Sports Radio 92.5, which is our flagship station, uh, is part of a cluster of other radio stations that, that is owned by Cronky uh, Sports and Entertainment. There wasn't really a, a good spot in that cluster to do. I mean, there's production studios, but the best place that was decided was to actually take over uh, the television booth at Pepsi Center, uh, where we could get feeds into uh, from the st- from uh, the Altitude Studios. So. Technically, the TV feed goes from Edmonton to Toronto to New York City to to Denver to two places. So, um, but it, it it wasn't bad, you know. We we made it work. I think uh, there's still some kinks to be worked out, but uh, the fact that this was all put together in a, a rather short amount of time, I mean, all the engineers working uh, behind the scenes in all these buildings and all these studios really. Need a, a, a giant tip of the cap, and uh, yeah, something that you wouldn't think is possible, less than ideal. We know, but uh, yeah, it's it's been quite the uh, the technological feat over the past couple weeks. Yeah, I, I hear you there. Well, good for all of your crew to get you guys going. And tell me a little bit about the game today. Uh, I didn't get to watch this one. Avalanche win. It looks like there was a lot of action early. Uh, take us through this one a bit. Yeah, we had three goals in the first five minutes. Uh, Giannis Donskoy opened it up about. Uh, Less than 90 seconds in, uh, uh, Vlad Nemestikov shot off a pad of Alex Daylock, and Donskoy uh, continues to be a revelation for the Colorado Avalanche. He was a, an off-season signing away from the San Jose Sharks, four-year deal from him, uh, and he's been a, a third-liner, uh, believe it or not, but he, you, could, you could put him into wherever you want. Uh, he's played second-line minutes. He's played up uh, with Nathan McKinnon in 
Gabriel Landeskog at times. So he got it started, uh, power play goal for the Minnesota Wild, Matt Dumba. Uh, and then Nathan McKinnon started to do Nathan McKinnon things, <laughs> took a puck in stride from Gabriel Landeskog and a wrister on the glove side of Stalock before he could even react. Stall would tie it up for the Minnesota Wild. And then uh, Gabriel Landeskog on a five-on-three got a power play goal for the Avalanche. And that's how it would end. Uh, a lot of offense early, as you mentioned. Uh, one goal in the second. Uh, and then both both teams switched goaltenders around the 10-minute mark of the second period, which has been uh, very trendy over the past couple of days for teams that are trying to decide who their starting netminder is going to be. So Grubauer got the start. Pavel Francouz took over for him. Grubauer allowed the two goals. Francouz uh, did not allow any, but Grubauer gets the win with 18 saves. Uh, and the Avalanche beat the, uh, beat the Minnesota Wild again and now they get ready for the st louis blues uh, on sunday to begin the round robin nathan mckinnon up for the heart trophy yeah. outstanding player look obviously in edmonton i'm i'm thinking dry gonna win because i saw how great he was but i'm sure avalanche fans would make a pretty strong case for mckinnon both outstanding players but let's not debate who the vote should have gone to tell me about mckinnon's season and his value to that team clearly uh Clearly, one of the top guys in the league. One hundred percent. And this is this is a tough, tough uh, thing to talk about in Edmonton uh, when you have one of the one of the uh, most prolific performances you've seen offensively in a long time with Leon Drysital. I mean, it just it makes your jaw hit the ground every single time with him and uh, and someone who wears number ninety seven out there too. Uh, but for Nathan McKinnon, ninety three points on the season. The second point getter on the Avalanche was Kale McCarr, who's up for the Calder Trophy with 50 points. Uh, if you can believe that, he even missed a, a little bit of time. But Nathan McKinnon uh, approaching 1.4 points per game, which is a career high for him. Uh, so he's 43 points ahead of the next uh, highest point getter on the Avalanche. And he now has three consecutive 90-point seasons. Two players in Avalanche history you may have heard of, Sackick and Forsberg, each had four 90-point seasons, but none of them ever did it in three consecutive seasons. Nathan McKinnon is the only player in Avalanche history to do that. And the argument keeps getting stronger and stronger as to why he can be a, a team MVP every single year. Yeah, there are other pieces like what Rantanen can bring to a power play, the, the net front presence that Gabriel Landeskog has, but we've all seen Nathan McKinnon play. We've all seen that the impact he can have on a shift, on a period, on a game, and he really for a team that was hurt a lot of this year, I mean, 223 man games lost to injury for the Avalanche, a team that with their full healthy lineup only played together really six games all year. When you have, you know, other firepower that was added, we mentioned Donskoy, but Burakovsky was, was hurt for a good amount. So was Nazem Kadri. These guys that were supposed to help contribute offensively really didn't have the opportunity to, but Nathan McKinnon almost on a nightly basis uh, was continuing to do that. So as I know we're not talking about who should get votes, but as the definition goes that the player who is most valuable to his team, if Nathan McKinnon doesn't perform his best impression of Atlas and carry the team and the world on his shoulders at times, <laughs> the, the Avalanche are not a number two seed in the West. 
Connor McGahey joining us on Inside Sports, play-by-play for the Avalanche on Altitude Sports. Kale McCarr, you mentioned yeah. him. I-, I love watching this young man, and I- I'm partial to the Alberta Junior Hockey League grad <laughs> since I covered the league for several years. As you should be, yep, yes, indeed. Absolutely. And, and I remember McCarr debuting last year for the playoffs in his second and third games I'm watching, and I'm thinking, is this his second game or his 200th? <laughs> I mean, and now he's got a full season under his belt and still keeps going. Yeah, and Kale McCarr, I mean, last year versus Calgary. Uh, and again, in Edmonton, it's always nice to talk about Calgary not doing very well. So for the Avalanche to take care of them in five games, of course, Kale McCarr from Calgary, Alberta, uh, comes in in game number three, two days after playing in the national championship uh, for college hockey in the United States. Couldn't get a flight out of Buffalo, had to drive to Toronto to fly to Denver to play in game number three. Uh, on his first career NHL shot, scores his first career NHL goal, and it just so happens to be the game winner. Um, so he has a little bit of the, the fairy tale about him, but his game has so many facets to it that everybody doesn't necessarily talk about. And if you were to look at a box score and say if you were to look at just sheer numbers between him and Quinn Hughes, for example, they're, they're pretty comparable. But for me, if you actually give it the eye test and you were to watch Kale McCarr, again, just like McKinnon, inside a shift, inside a period, inside a sequence, you see the difference that he can make. There's an underrated physical ability to Kale McCarr's game. He can hit a guy and you don't really see it coming. Uh, His creative mind works faster than pretty much everybody else on the ice. He knows where the puck is going to go before he gets it. And uh, his ability to defend... Uh, attack and do everything in between really makes him you know a superstar defenseman so you have uh, his element that's that's plugged in you have another western canadian and bo byram who's made the trip uh connor timmons as well is here ryan graves so you're talking about a young defensive core that that really uh, could be pretty deadly as as we go forward in the future but the player, the defenseman who's carrying the flag for that defensive core, uh, wears number eight for the Colorado Avalanche. And you talk about Leon Dreisaitl putting putting the jaw on the ground. Kale McCarr has the same ability to, to really take your breath away. Okay, so my last one is about the upcoming qualifying round. Really mm. interesting. We've never seen this before yeah. in the National Hockey League. And, and for the Avalanche and the three other teams, you, you could lose all three games, eight nothing, ten nothing. Sure. Pick pick a score, and then you just try to swipe them aside. I'm not saying that they would want that to happen, but what's <laughs> what's your sense of the of the team's approach, the intensity level for the for the uh, round robin games? Well, I think from what I've heard from every single coach in of the round robin teams, and by the way, the the Oilers Hawk series is the one that I'm looking forward to the most in the Western Conference. I will watch every single second of that. Um, but as far as round robin goes, every coach has had a similar echo to the fact that the team that is the sharpest, uh, that is the toughest, that has the most mojo early will be the team uh that can go the farthest and maybe do the most damage look there's going to be up there's going to be upsets in this whole thing I mean, there's no possible way to forecast this it is completely unpredictable uh but a- as a top four seed you're playing less games 
than teams who are in the best of five. So you can really tune your game on how you, how you want to play. I mean, St. Louis scares everybody, defending cup champions, but just, just basically how they can shut you down. The Avalanche, you know, known for their high-flying offense and a lot of shots on target, uh, they, they were held to just 18 shots in two different occasions this season, both against the St. Louis Blues. They didn't beat the Dallas Stars in four times that they played them this year. The, the team that they've had the most success against was, was against the Vegas Golden Knights. They scored 13 goals in two games, both in Vegas. Um, and I think that if they can, I think this goes for any one of those teams. If the team that can really get their game in shape early because they know they'll have the rested parts. So say you say two of the, the other series go to, to five games. I mean, it, rest is going to come into this and there's going to be more liberty. There's going to be more flexibility uh, for those top four seeds uh, to, to really play with what happens in the first round. But I don't think you want to be the team that loses uh, three straight games and gets blown out. I think you want to be playing playoff hockey uh, through every single one of these matchups. Connor, it's going to be fun. Thanks for filling fans in on your setup and what went down this afternoon. And I'm sure we'll talk to you again here throughout the postseason. So good to have you on the show again, buddy. Uh, uh, pleasure is mine, Reed. Good to talk to you. And uh, yeah, anytime. I'm, uh, I'm wide open. Right on. Connor McGahey, great voice, great play-by-play guy, Colorado Avalanche for Altitude Sports. So interesting for him, he's going to Pepsi Center to call the games off a monitor. Jack and Bob coming to the 630 Ched building to do the games. He's going to the Avalanche rink to call the Avalanche games, which are being played at Rogers Place in Edmonton. Uh, they got a good team. They got the win today, clearly McKinnon and McCarr. And, I mean, you, may, you mentioned how far ahead McKinnon was uh, in the scoring race for the Avalanche. I mean, not even close to the second best guy on the team. So uh, he's certainly the main guy for the Avalanche. They did have their their injury woes throughout the season and pretty good. They got into the top four. They're going to be a team to watch here as we uh, get, well, there'll be more to watch in the first round. In the qualifying round, they're playing for seeding. It is 7.47 inside sports on 6.30. Chet, happy to hear from you before the end of the show at 7804. Good to have you tuning in tonight. That is... Inside Sports on 630 Ched. The Blue Jays have lost 4-0 to the Nationals in 10 innings, scoreless after 9. And then the Nationals get 4 in the top of the 10th. And uh, they get the victory. Tough outing for Shun Yamaguchi in relief in the 10th for the Blue Jays. Max Scherzer started for the Nationals, went 7 and a third, struck out 10, gave up 3 hits and 3 walks. Uh, Nate Pearson started for the Blue Jays, went five innings, didn't allow a run, couple of hits, two walks, five strikeouts. Not a uh, strikeouts, not a bad start for him, but the Blue Jays fall to uh, three and three on the season. Again, the NHL update before we go: the Blackhawks beat the Blues four nothing. This game not on uh, conventional television in Canada, but following some uh, media folks, Daniel Nugent Bowman, Jim Matheson, who were at the game, following them on Twitter. Doesn't sound like it was a, a very good game by the St. Louis Blues. So the Blackhawks get the win. Goaltender split it it was Crawford and then Subban for the Blackhawks obviously Crawford back from COVID-19 and expected to start against the Oilers on Saturday 
after two, the Islanders lead the Rangers one zip. Avalanche beat the Wild 3-2. Capitals over the Hurricanes 3-2. Lightning over the Panthers 5-0. Canucks and Jets at Rogers Place. That one starts in about 45 minutes or so. And uh, the Edmonton Stingers at the CEBL Tournament in St. Catharines are now 2-1. They win 88-82. Just uh, seven teams in that league. And they're playing a round-robin tournament. The top six will make the playoffs, so the top two seeds will get a bye into the semis. That's how they're doing uh, their season. They obviously had to cut it down and centralize in a hub in order to crown a champion. Philip Broberg played last night for the Oilers as the seventh defenseman. Here's Dave Tippett. Uh, Jonesy's nicked up a little bit right now, so he uh, wasn't available to us today. Uh, that's why he was scheduled to play, and when he couldn't play, uh, we talked about all the other defensemen we have, and Broberg is the only guy in our camp that hasn't played an NHL game. Bouchard's played games, uh, Lagason played games, and if we got down to the situation where we thought we needed him, I would rather have his first experience in the NHL be an exhibition game, and with a young player like that, I think you could see some of that out there tonight. He's a real competitive kid, skates very well, but... Uh, the game moves quick out there, and uh, it was good to see us get, a, get see him get his feet wet. Um, but he's a he's a young player, and he's got great upside. So that was the, went went into the decision. We wanted to make sure going into the to the uh, to the play-in round, everybody in our team has played an NHL game, and uh, hopefully, whoever we need to jump into spots uh, can jump in there and do the job for us. And they might need Gaetan Haas to jump into a spot with Riley Sheehan battling an injury suffered on Saturday in the Colby Cave Memorial game. Sheehan has not been on the ice since leaving that game in the first period. He uh, did not play last night, so Haas jumped in and uh, played center with Athanasiu and Archibald. Tippett's going to update Riley Sheehan and also talk about the goaltending. It's, a, it's going to be a hard decision, but it's, it's a decision you feel comfortable with both ways because both guys will play very well. So I like Sheehan uh, practice today for the first time uh, back again. He'll, we have a day off tomorrow, but he'll, uh, hopefully he'll be uh, ready for practice on Thursday. But Hosser, Hosser played well. We, we played him on a lot of penalty kill tonight. That's an area we think we can, he can help us with. So he, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just see where Riley is. See where it goes the rest of the week. But she and uh, she and skated today, which was positive. All right. So sorry. He did skate. Uh, he did skate yesterday. So he's on the way to coming back. A lot of us wondering what's it going to be like without fans. Uh, we're starting to find that out. Here's Alex Chason's take from after the game. We've addressed that as a team. Uh, it, you know, it has to come from within. So um, I think we've talked about that, making sure that there's a lot of talk on the bench and keeping our mind in, in the game. So. You know, those are circumstances that uh, all of us have never been through. But you know, personally, I think the teams that are able to manage all that and uh, keep their, their mind in the game are teams going to be successful towards the end. All right, a little bit there from Alex Chason. Well, we're almost there. We've got, we've got through uh, the return of hockey in terms of the exhibition game. Now we're almost there with the actual playoffs. And the stats, by the way, in the qualifying round and the round robin will count as postseason stats. But the winners of the qualifying round will then advance to the first round of the playoffs. So that's how, that's where in the qualifying round is its own round, and, and then they go into the first round. Anyway, that's just bookkeeping. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight.
Had a fun show. You heard from Connor McGahey from the Avalanche broadcast booth. Global Montreal's Brian Wild, former NHLer Matthew Barnaby. Always happy to interact with you as well. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Glad to sense all that excitement about Oilers playoff hockey. We'll have every game for you here on 630 Chat. Dave Campbell's the producer of the show. Kellen Kennedy, the studio producer. My name's Reed. Thanks for tuning in. Have a great night. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.